0: This is the Improved Photography Podcast, episode number 212. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. With the help of Squarespace, tackling your next move might not be as difficult as it seems. Whether you're starting a business, changing careers, or launching a new creative product, project, Squarespace gives you the ability to create an online platform uh, to make your big idea known to the world. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code IMPROVE to get 10% off your first purchase. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Harmer, and today we are joined by Sandy Dereau and also Rusty Parkhurst. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. Well, you may not recognize Rusty Parker, Parkhurst's voice, but you certainly rec- recognize his words. He's been a prolific writer on ImprovePhotography.com and has put out some great tutorials uh, over the last while. Uh, so, Rusty, in a couple sentences, tell us about uh, you and and what you're doing in photography.
1: Sure. Thanks, Jim. Um, I've been shooting for about five years now, and uh, primarily do landscape and nature photography, with a little bit of uh, portraiture on the side. Very cool. You have some awesome
0: photos in your portfolio at RustyParkhurst.com, so I definitely encourage everybody to go check it out as you're listening to the show. Well, I want to start today's episode with two updates uh, to things that we had mentioned on previous episodes. So in episode number 211, I mentioned about a... Um, basically just a MIDI controller, these physical controls called palette gear for, um, for Lightroom. So you can, you know, turn physical knobs and stuff to be adjusting things in Lightroom. And we put out a video episode of that on the Improved Photography YouTube channel. So you can kind of see that if you weren't, uh, quite sure what we were talking about. But Mike Thompson on Facebook, uh, commented that there's something called MIDI 2LR. Um, it's a controller that allows you to use any MIDI keyboard and just program each of the, the the dials and switches and stuff to control Lightroom and it's open source. And so all you need is a $60 MIDI controller and you're set to go. So uh, definitely something to check out. If you go to the Improved Photography uh, Facebook group, the Improved Photography Podcast Listeners group on Facebook, and look for that post, uh, it was pretty cool. So if that if the Palette Gear interested you, but it was too much money, uh, sixty bucks gives you it gets you a really nice MIDI controller, and you can essentially do the same thing. So uh, I thought that that was cool. Um, and also, Sandy, I'm sorry to say this, but Tamron has unveiled a new <laughs> 70 to 200, making your 70 to 200
2: feel so, older. How does that? It's, <laughs> it's like it's having the hardest time focusing now. It's just like it's so tired, and I use it. <laughs> I use it so much. And I'm like, just hang in there another day, please. <laughs> Well, it looks like a very
0: interesting lens. It's definitely priced right. I I think they they saw that eventually Sigma's 7200 uh, was just better than the Tamron one. Um, it, the Tamron was great when it was released, uh, and it's still a lens that I would recommend. But uh, you know, Sigma worked on theirs, and I think eventually got the upper hand. And now, though, they've released this new version. It's $1,300, at least U.S., and this is a, 7, a 7200 for Nikon and Canon EF mounts, full frame. Um, or you could use it on a crop sensor, of course. Um, well, at, at least in in Nikon world. Um, and uh, it's an f2.8, so pretty, pretty impressive lens. Uh, we'll see how it performs. You know, nobody's had their hands on this really yet. But the build quality looks awesome. It looks attractive, doesn't it, Sandy?
2: I might have to break down and buy it, honestly. And I, I was going to say, I would recommend Tamron and Sigma for for these lenses, uh, for sure. I used the Canon um, L-series lens and then switched. When I switched to Nikon, I got the Tamron and it, it's beautiful. It does just fine. <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally. I I noticed that this new uh, Tamron 7200 looks a lot like a Sigma styling on the lens. When I first saw it, I thought it looks like a Sigma with a Tamron bo- name bolted on it. The, the Just the, the metal that they use that's kind of more flat and less uh, textured and things, it very much looks like the Sigma styling. So now we have a lens copying a lens copying a lens (laughs) so if you're uh in the market for 7200 this one might be worth waiting out waiting on for a little bit and seeing how this performs you know we never know but uh it looks pretty cool and also it looks like they're coming out with a 10 to 24 f 3.5 to 4.5 That's exciting to me because the main problem I have with shooting crop sensor cameras for landscape photographers is the quality of the, the wide angle, the landscape lenses. Um, yeah, especially in Nikon world, they need a little bit better quality of a wide angle lens for, for Nikon crop sensor. So hopefully that will fit the bill. Cool. Well, uh, Sandy, you have been busy this last week. Um, Sandy, you went to WPPI 2016. So tell us about it. Was it, was it worth going?
2: Yes, definitely. Um, I think I got lucky and I got the tickets early on. So I think it was like 150 bucks and they go up in price the longer that you wait. But for a week, almost a week long of training classes and um, being around other creatives and all of the the events that are going on and like your day is literally filled from 8am to 8pm. And it's just such a good mental reset. And I feel, I feel like energized and like totally jazzed to be a photographer <laughs>
0: awesome well I, I mean this is a mega conference i mean thousands of people go this is not a, a small intimate uh kind of uh, kind of a conference so um so it was worth it worth attending what what would you say was the best and worst part of it for people who may be considering going in a future year
2: um so i think that the the kind of the worst part of it is well a you want to spend a bunch of money and so you kind of have to set a budget before you go but um <laughs> the the planning of it so they they would start out in the morning with this keynote at 8 30 in the morning and then they would have classes all the way till eight at night so and then a huge chunk of time in the middle for expo time but it was like you were there all day and then paying you know a crazy amount of money for a cup of coffee and a sandwich uh you know it's just it was a little much uh and I'm a local so that you know they kind of take advantage of of uh people traveling in. I think but I really didn't have many complaints the best part definitely um was being able to see so many people from out of town in one place I mean just like get the improved photography workshops I'm sure because I've never gone and I really want to where you can see everybody that's inspired you you know that in real life and talk to them <laughs> yeah so who who had the coolest
0: session i'm sure you went to a ton of classes who what's the one that kind of lingers in your mind
2: um well i mean the keynotes are kind of reserved for the more famous photographers so uh the sue bryce keynote even though she does glamour um portraiture she kind of she made it relatable for any kind of photographer she really just like lays it out in this you know really frank way and and lights a fire and under you and it's it's amazing I, i really like her she's a really good speaker Cool. And what? Uh, what about the companies at the expo?
0: Was there what? Uh, what hurt your wallet the most, or or tempted you the most?
2: Well, I stopped back by the MagMod booth, and I got the newest attachments there. Cool. <laughs> Gosh, they were—they're so busy. They're just like cranking them out at the MagMod booth. Um, and then there was these, these like little one-offs of these uh, companies that just started this year, and they said like they're brand new, and this is like do or die at the expo. And there was one company that that was really cool um, that has these things called Loom Cubes, L-U-M-E Cubes, and they're very tiny mini um, LED lights and you can also set them as uh, slave strobes that will fire when your strobe goes off. But they were doing some really cool stuff with them. They had little gels on them and they were doing all this artsy stuff and they were doing food photography and these little tiny cubes put out so much light and they weren't that expensive actually. I, I had fun playing with those. <laughs> How do
0: they charge? Uh, that's that's the thing that always gets me. I feel like every time I travel, like I get cool photo gear and now mm-hmm. I've got to bring my iPhone cord and AA batteries and triple batteries and i need to bring adapters and and then i need the usb mm-hmm. to mini usb to power some of the video <laughs> stuff i do and it's like holy cow so like right. it's a major consideration to me now mm-hmm. how do i charge it
2: which i was going to say of all the playing around with it i didn't think of that at ah. all so i <laughs> we'll we'll send you back undercover to check okay well, next time i'll know to, how, did you, how did you charge that before i do anything else what kind of cord is it? <laughs> i'd have to go look at this so,
0: so what kind of use would you have for this i mean i mean it's so tiny what what, what would you do with that i mean it's basically a flashlight right
2: <clears throat> yeah exactly but and then you can set it up as so it'll it'll fire as a strobe so it won't be continuous light and um, how do you how do you do that how does it sync with the camera it's so it's it's a slave so it will oh ah, okay optical slave your yeah exactly it'll go when it sees your flash flash um, which was the only setback for me but it was so cool that I didn't really care I think I could use it for like food photography setting it up if I needed light on one side or you know using it to light a drink for instance and kind of pump light through the drink maybe stuff like that. Huh, that's cool. Well, I, I would be tempted. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in the
0: price for this thing, though. Eighty bucks. That's more expensive than a, than a speed light. Mm,
2: it wasn't. Yeah, especially the speed lights that we use. That are yeah, that
0: we use you know, the cheapies. <laughs>
2: um, honestly, it looks it in real life. It looks like really like solid. It, it doesn't look cheap at all. So i i think i would invest in it honestly um especially like okay for real estate photography if you were if you could put those behind something and light up a, a wall because they are really bright for how small they are but you're uh-huh. right you could, you could use a young new flash for that too well it looks
0: like they're <laughs> they're water uh waterproof and stuff that's pretty cool they were and- doing some amazing stuff with them And Bluetooth interface syncs to smartphones to adjust light output. That's cool. So it sounds like you can't use it as a speed light for your smartphone though, right? Just to control Mm -hmm. settings.
2: Correct. So if you had one on the other side of the room, and needed to be brighter. You could just dial up the
0: intensity. Okay, cool. So how about techniques at at the conference? Is there a a technique or a different something that you're uh, interested in, in learning more about?
2: You know, honestly, I it was they had this a uh, big focus on printing more. So talking about the power of print, I think was their whole. Uh, campaign this year so they were giving away free prints and then they had the photo contest with the the prints up there that you could look at so i I got a new i kind of got um excited to do more printing which i know is kind of a lame (laughs) answer but i really am now i'm i i kind of could go and, and actually touch it and see the quality of all the different print print labs so i thought that was cool
0: and were there any of the print companies that interested you or you wanted to try out
2: you know, it's so funny because I've always been pro-DPI, right? Mm-hmm. Like since we did that comparison test or you guys did one yeah. ago. And I've always like kind of steered another direction and I've come back to pro-DPI every time. And they had a really good setup and um, their prices are just, you can't beat them to be honest. Yeah. Um, pro dpi so. <laughs> yeah, no that's cool i'm i'm interested to see what
0: happens with pro dpi uh, since it was bought out by whcc um they said they were going to keep everything the same for six months that i think that's probably lapsed now so i'm curious to see uh how what happens to print quality? Because WHCC did fine in our print test, but not as it wasn't one of the top ones. Um, so every
2: time that I see these guys at any one of these trade shows, I ask them the same question: like, you're still you're still autonomous, and they say, yeah. That uh, as of now, White House Custom Color wants it to be where it is, the print labs where they are, the employees where they are. But you always feel like that could change at any moment. Yeah,
0: and,
2: and they suddenly they're going to realize, hey, it's a lot cheaper
0: to. <laughs> Yeah. yeah huh well that's that's interesting I uh, the only knock I have on Pro Dpi is the ordering process. It is nuts. It's yeah. painful I mean once you've finally set up and you got the Java applet installed and stuff it's okay but mm-hmm. oh man what a pain. it's so much nicer when you can just go to their website, upload your photo and order.
2: Yeah. But then anybody could do it. You know, I kind of feel like this way uh, where it's it's so confusing.
0: Nobody else knows how it's it's (laughs) professional because we use the professional
2: software.
0: (laughs) 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 I think they feel the same way. Well, that's cool. It sounds like, uh, sounds like it was a conference worth attending and you had a good experience.
2: It was so good. Honestly, it was awesome. Well, uh,
0: you've been doing lots more for uh, improved photography as well, Sandy. Um, I mentioned uh, quite a while ago that we were looking to hire somebody to work on improved photography plus uh, and make it awesomer all the time, just continually improving. And uh, Sandy's that person. Sandy started working on Improved Photography Plus, uh, because she's an awesome person. Uh, So tell us uh, some of the things that you're working on with Improved Photography Plus, things you're trying to fix and improve, and, and what things people can expect to change. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's so funny that you asked me that in this moment because it's kind of overwhelming because uh, you're, ta- you're talking about like where we could go from here and what we could learn and, and what do we want to learn from other photographers and people have put in really good um, suggestions of things that they want to learn so I'm like I'm really excited for this year and I've been probably annoying a lot of photographers saying can would you be wanting to do this anyway um, but at the improved photography store when we can put more stuff up there for a la carte for people that want to learn something really specific I think that's what I'm most excited about
0: Mm -hmm. cool yeah and we have uh lots of new classes coming uh, to improve photography plus Uh, I've been hesitant for the first while of of uh improved photography plus's history Uh, I think we're what six months old something like that now um I've been maybe more than that has it been 10 months? I don't know. I can't remember. Time flies. Um, I've been hesitant, uh, to, to commit to one class every month because I just, I take on too many projects at once, but now I think with, uh, with Sandy at the Rains, we can definitely commit, uh, to having a major new training class coming out every month and whenever we can, uh, extra things as well. I, mm-hmm. my goal with that, with improved photography com is that it gets, everything we can possibly put in it uh hold nothing back whenever we possibly can Uh, Mm -hmm. so uh, we have definitely more meetups coming we've had a lot of noise about that that uh, kansas storm chasing meetup um in um in may and so that one will be announced on improved photography plus shortly uh we, we got some cool stuff coming
2: so um, I just have one more thing to add on that. The we do need input on what people want to learn. Can we put um, a link to that survey for? Yeah, how the- uh, about
0: we put that would just right when you sign in on Improved Photography Plus, just on that homepage. Let's put a link to a survey there. Uh, so those of you who are members, I think a lot of you who listen to the podcast are, um, yeah, look for that survey. Uh, Sandy will put up a survey there and we kind of want to hear from you, uh, in terms of, you know, what things we want to add, you know, do we want to start doing a monthly photo contest? Do we, you know, what can we do to add to the community features? What kind of training sessions would you like? You know, do you want more post-processing? Do you want more in the field? Do you want more landscape, more portrait? Uh, I mean, it's for you. We want it to just be a a great resource for you and so let us know what you want to see and and we'll
2: do it. I saw somebody put food photography in there and I got really excited about that one.
0: Oh, that's cool. <laughs> great. All right. Well, Uh, we want to talk a little bit about um, getting more photo buddies, which is something that I need, um, as well as some (laughs) questions of the week and doodads of the week. But before we do that, we want to take a second and thank a couple companies that have made this podcast possible. The first one is Squarespace. Uh, You know, I love Squarespace. I've been a customer for many years. Squarespace is a great way to create your photography portfolio. As the year progresses, it's easy for some of those New Year's resolutions to fall by the wayside. But if you've resolved to take on new new challenges like really pumping some energy into your photo business a different business changing careers any kind of creative project then squarespace is a great solution for you it's used by a wide range of people and businesses including musicians designers artists and photographers i might add Um, with squarespace's award-winning templates creating a beautiful website is a simple intuitive process And there's nothing to install, nothing to patch, nothing to upgrade. They take care of all that. So you can just create your website and put the content in there. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code improve to get 10% off your first purchase plus a free domain name. That's improve for 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website and also by Zenfolio. Zenfolio is a great option for your photography uh, portfolio. This Zenfolio is targeted to photographers. Uh, It's for photographers who want to send photos out to a client, uh, who have galleries, want to show off their portfolio, sell their photography, get photos printed automatically, really has a lot of great features in there with easy proofing on both your computer and mobile devices, as well as a fully integrated storefront with thousands of items to sell from digital downloads to stunning prints. Zenfolio gives you everything you need in a matter of minutes. And now you can get 30% off any annual plan when you use code improve at Zenfolio.com. So don't wait Get started today and see the impact a Zenfolio website can make on your business. That's Z E N F O L I O dot Offer code improve for thirty percent off any annual plan. Build it beautiful with Zenfolio. Websites, proofing, selling. All right. Well, uh, Rusty, you wanted to talk a little bit about getting some photo buddies to shoot with. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, uh, this is something, the topic that's really kind of near and dear to my heart. Um which is kind of odd for me. I'm kind of an introverted or a quiet person. Why would I want to go out and find friends? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, uh, and and that's also probably a good, uh, a reason why I enjoy going out shooting landscapes just to the solitude and getting out away from getting unplugging and getting out uh, into nature and just enjoying nature. But, having photo buddies or just friends that you can go shooting with on occasion uh it's just something that i think is just so important and it's been very important in uh the growth of my photography and as i've developed my skills and and uh just come along in my photographic journey um whenever i first started out in photography um most of my shooting was on my own I'd go out I'd shoot I'd come back I would process uh, didn't really have any contact with any other photographers and which was fine uh, I enjoyed it I was learning a lot on my own but um, I think it's important to uh, have friends photographic friends that have a little more experience than you that can kind of give you advice, um, give you some recommendations on gear. So Um, most of the time when you go out to shoot, do you have somebody with you? Most of the time now, uh, not whenever I go out landscape shooting or something, it's still mainly on my own, but I have other, I have photographic friends around the country that I've met at various places, that we stay in contact with on an, almost a daily basis, uh, either via email or other methods, and uh, we just we share ideas, we share uh, the the things that we're doing, the types of shooting that we're doing. We share our images with each other. Um, we give constructive criticism. Um, it's just been a really learning, ex- really good learning experience for me, uh, especially as I was starting out. Um, it was really not until probably. Uh, October of 2013 is when I went on a um, my first photo, photography workshop, um, went out to Utah to do some shooting. And um, whose workshop was that? It was with Rick Salmon. Oh, okay. Very cool. And that's kind of a story in itself. Uh, it, was, it was the uh, Southwest Photo Caravan workshop, and the itinerary for that week was to start in Moab and... Ooh. to visit all of, all five national parks in Utah, uh-huh. which just, just sounded awesome. At the time, I didn't really have any idea what I was doing or why I was there. I didn't feel like I was even qualified to be at a workshop, but that turned out to be kind of silly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, the workshop was going to start on a Monday morning. I got there a couple of days early, but uh, th- the morning that the workshop started, Was the morning the government shut down and and (laughs) closed all the national parks? That happened
0: to me too. I had driven to, was it to Yellowstone? I want to say it was to Yellowstone, and I I had heard about it on the news, but it didn't like sink in. You know how you hear things on the news and it's just like, oh, that's not going to affect me. You know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I got to the gates of Yellowstone and I was like, huh. Okay. Yeah. So, they meant it. <laughs>
1: wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was something that really blew our itinerary out of the water. Uh, we we kind of had a feeling it was going to happen. It was in the news. So, we went out Sunday night before to Arches and did some Milky Way photography to try to squeeze in as much as we could before they shut it down. But then, sure enough, that next morning, we got word that we're not going to any national parks. Oh, man. So, oh, man. <laughs> but... Yes. but um, you know, Rick Rick and his wife Susan just did a great job of scrambling around and finding some d- alternative locations for us to go shooting, and I think it turned out to be a really great workshop. It helped, I think it was, it really helped us to think outside the box a little bit instead of just going for that, the iconic shots, um, which are great. Uh, I was looking forward to getting those also, but... We had to do a little little more thinking outside the box to to find some other places to shoot and other other uh, landscape scenes. But, so you said uh,
2: that you were you were initially too you thought you wouldn't be good enough to go to the workshop?
1: Well, I didn't really have any idea what a workshop really was. Oh gosh. Gotcha. I guess. Um,
2: yeah, I think
0: most I, people that, that go I, you know to the improved photography retreat, I've seen dozens of comments from people you know when when it was you know still available it's been sold out for months now but uh when it was still available i heard a lot of people saying oh it sounds cool but i don't think i'm quite to the level that i need to be for mm. something like that and i was like
2: no that's the whole <laughs> no. point uh, we have uh, <laughs> you can't be afraid just jump in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> aren't, yeah. You, aren't
1: you so glad that you didn't give into that fear and that you went it's probably oh, oh man that was that's kind of where my story was is yeah, going. I'm sorry, uh, I just read it. No, 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 absolutely. Uh, that, that was a turning point, I think in my photography journey. Um, yeah. up to that point, I'd, like I said, I'd been out shooting on my own mostly and wasn't really going anywhere. But on that trip, on that workshop is where I met several good friends and we have stayed in contact since then, almost a daily basis where, communicating with each other, sharing, sharing with each other our images. And we've even, even gone out uh, and done our own photo trips a couple of times since then. Uh, but it's just been just a great experience uh, having those friends to, to share ideas with. Uh, we give each other grief about things, but it, <laughs> it's just a fun,
0: fun time. Yeah, so, very cool. Yeah, I you know I've seen that so many times. uh, People that come to our improved photography meetups for the first time, um, you know, are usually kind of hesitant. You can always tell who's been to three or four of them because uh, they always come in and have a bunch of friends there. And then there are people kind of in the back, just kind of look for the spot most open away from people to sit down <laughs> and boy, once you do kind of get in with a little group to photograph, you know, at a workshop or a local photography club or mm-hmm. however, uh, mm-hmm. we had a podcast on the Tripod podcast about uh, getting in with people on, on Instagram, finding local photographers and and kind of meeting together to shoot. Uh, it really is, like you were saying, Rusty, kind of a turning point in a lot of people's photography where it makes it a lot more fun. You get a lot more confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you've seen somebody else doing it and you're like, oh, okay, we, we do the same thing. We're actually... <laughs> (laughs) I'm on the right track here
2: so that's cool or you learn something every every time I shoot with somebody. I always learn something
1: oh yeah we learn something from each other almost every day we share our share what we're doing share the photos that we're taking and and I was also I was going to say you know even if you don't have a chance to go on a workshop there's lots of other opportunities out there that you can meet people um, but definitely encourage anyone to to pursue that
2: there's a little bit of a safety aspect in it too. It's like, I don't want to say just cause I'm a woman that I, I don't like to photograph by myself. Cause I think this could happen to anybody. But one time I went out in the desert by myself and as soon as I got out in the middle and kind of looked around and it felt like the Hills had eyes. I was like this. Is a bad idea."
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's definitely a, definitely a time that you want to be with somebody else yeah. if you're going out landscape shooting into the wilds.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Tracy Agnew asks on a Improved Photography Plus, since my iPad is dying, I want to replace it with something that I can also edit on she uses lightroom most of the time um, and she's heard that the iPad pro is a good choice for editing um, she's wondering should she go with a MacBook or should she go with an iPad pro now I I think all of us the initial reaction is go with a MacBook right right uh, I mean a yeah. computer is really built more for photo editing uh, than the iPad pro uh, really any tablet but let's explore it a little bit because everybody's needs are very different um, in in how you approach photography and so what what would that look like uh, to you guys if you if you had to switch to starting uh, to use an ipad for photography what, what kind of workflow would you use and and what would it what would allow you to do and what would it limit you with
2: do we know if the stylist works in photoshop in lightroom on the ipad Pro? i can't say for certain
0: but i would think so i haven't i haven't it, tried it in lightroom but i have tried it uh on the ipad pro
2: and it and it worked for photoshop or uh, I, I haven't tried it in the Adobe Pro program. Oh, programs. gotcha, gotcha. I think that that would be the ultimate deciding factor for me. If that did it, then I think that I would almost choose that over, uh, well, no, because the MacBook Pros are pretty uh, good now too. They Oh, gosh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> i a,
2: talked myself out of it.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I I do know somebody, I haven't used an iPad Pro myself, but I know someone who has one and and he is, he is a photographer as well and I don't know that he uses it specifically for much editing, but I've seen uh, that he, he uses Lightroom Mobile on it just mainly to, to show his portfolio. And the it's, it's photos just look awesome on there.
2: So the storage of it, so you have to buy storage with the, the, the Lightroom Mobile, right?
0: Well... Or- no, I mean you can you can still store the photos on on the on the iPad, but that's that's the main sticking point for me is yeah. that Sandy. It's just the storage like you're just yeah. constantly going to be, you know, getting the photos on there, it fills up and you got to take it off. And there's there's some big iPad pros. I mean, you can put a lot of storage in there. Uh, but still I, I mean, photog- we go through so much data uh, that it's just it's a lot of back and forth. I tried for a while to use an iPad and it's fun it's so nice to just go sit on the couch and curl up with a tablet and just play with your photos just moving sliders and stuff like ah that's heaven i can't wait until that's that's photo heaven that's what it looks like there's no yellow brick road nothing no, we just got ipads and couches to edit photos but but it's just it was just too much of a pain the but back and forth Lightroom and things. Mobile,
2: could you, could you store it on there and not worry about the storage, but then you'd have to pay for storage. Yeah. For I
0: mean, somewhere. the photo has got to be somewhere. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the better solution is you have a desktop where you have everything and you're just using Lightroom mobile. Um, not that the photos are actually on your iPad, uh, but you're just, you know, accessing the, the copies. You can do that. Sure. Um, but it's, Ah, it's it's just too much back and forth right now. I listened to the keynote um, at Adobe Max uh, uh, on Lightroom and I heard a lot of talk um, at Adobe Max from the presentations that I watched um, talking about that we really want our photos to move to cloud um, and being able to have non-destructive edits saved. Uh, not just on one device. And so Adobe's certainly aware of this. I think, you know, and, and it's not really that, uh, that uh, you know, Adobe just hasn't built it yet. It's just that it's a big problem. I mean, if, right. if I were to do that, I mean, to move my library, I have well over 100,000 photos in my Lightroom library. I have 18 terabytes of data uh, mm-hmm. on my Drobo. Uh, that's mm-hmm. just, it's just not feasible to do that in the cloud right now. Um, I think it can be at some point in the future, but, uh, right now it's just tough. And so if you're interested in this, um, um, if if you're interested in this, this there's something you want to go after. I definitely recommend looking at Derek Story's stuff. He's got the nimble photographer website, um, and a podcast, um, and, and he has some good resources. If this is the direction that, that attracts you most, I'd go check out some of his resources. But for me, Nah, it's not there. It's just too much of a... You're doing it because it sounds fun and light and easy to move around, but it's the opposite. It's just too much shuffling files and makes it harder mm-hmm. than it needs to be.
2: Mm-hmm. And even yeah. if you're not doing photography every day or uh, on a regular basis, you're still going to run out of space faster than you think. Yeah, absolutely.
0: We're seeing that we may, may get an a seven R three that's in the 70 to 80 megapixel range. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> you take four photos and your iPad's full. <laughs> yeah, <that's
1: funny. laughs> yeah. Yeah. The portability would be great for that, but, I think it's still lacking in the power and the the port of, or the the storage that we would need. Not to mention
0: Lightroom Mobile <clears throat> itself; just the app itself is really limited. Uh, yeah. It's still very limited. It's getting better, but uh, you know you just don't have the same re-screen real estate that you do on a desktop, uh, and you need much bigger click targets. You know you can't have a little tiny tab that you that you touch with a mouse it's much more precise with your finger you know we have big fatty thumbs um and so (laughs) you have to have bigger click targets on smaller screen real estate they just can't put the whole thing in there i mean it's going to get better and better but it's always going to be limited by that uh by some of those factors so um I guess I say that, but the iPad Pro is huge. But still, it's a f- it's a finger and out. But you can still use the SAS. I don't know. We'll see what it becomes. But today, <laughs> I think if it's gonna be
2: your primary, no, if it's an accessory or yeah. something in addition mm-hmm. to. But I don't think that I could I could do it as a primary personally. Yeah, I, I think today yeah. not yet,
0: but uh, I can't wait. Can't wait yeah, until It's com- it's, it's, it's it's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Sandy, you got a question about CTO gels.
2: <laughs> well, I had somebody ask me um, how you know how to which gels to use. So CTO is color temperature orange gels, and you put them on to match the lights overhead. If you have really tungsten lights, which most indoor lighting is tungsten, right? So how do you know if you need a little bit of CTO or a full CTO? Because they come in, you know, quarter, half, and full CTO um, sheets or. Uh, if you use the MagMod, they have them on there too. So, how do you know which ones to use? So, um, I didn't at first, I didn't know how to answer it because I don't know if the way that I do it is the right way to do it or not. Um, but, like, if I'm going to an event and I'm in a new place, for instance, I'll take my camera and I'll put it on 5500 Kelvin and I'll take a picture. It doesn't matter if it's ugly or not. And I just see how orange it is because 5500 is what your flash is set to daylight, right? Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I'm not losing anybody. I no, hope. I'm with you. Um, Okay. And then, so if you weren't to put a gel on there and you use your flash, then your subjects are going to be really white, but everything around, it's going to be like really orange or, um, like really, really orange. Yeah, totally.
0: This is like what you see, you know, your friends, your friend has a DSLR and they're using the pop-up flash and Mm -hmm. they're taking a picture at the kid's birthday party. Kid looks, Mm -hmm. you know, nice, normal exposure and the backgrounds. Just their house just looks orange.
2: Mm-hmm. so or this you is you're have- putting the gel yeah. on
0: to make the speed light the same color temperature mm-hmm. as the room so and then you just change your white balance so everything looks normal
2: Definitely. And uh, if you don't have powerful enough, flat, uh, powerful enough flash, then you're going to mix color temperatures, too. And then it's going to be hard to get skin temperatures, skin tones rather to look right. Right. Um, but I, I, I like I said, I just don't know if that's the, the best way to do it. But that's what I've found works uh, for me. And then, yeah, exactly. You could even after you put the, the gel on, you know, just set it to, to tungsten lighting and then it'll be fine. Um, indoor lighting and then I, once you identify the problem there then you see it everywhere like you're talking about jim when you see photos that you <laughs> you can tell but i just brought it up because somebody asked me that and I, and I said well i don't know the real right answer but i can tell you how i do it i hope that made sense
0: yeah i'm in the same boat i how do I need the full CTO or half? Well, how
2: yellow are we talking? <laughs> yeah. so yeah, Cause and, and it uh, depends on how tall the ceilings are and yeah. the colors of the walls and stuff like that. So like I said, I just shoot it first in daylight with no flash at all and see how orange it is. And then I go from there. Cool.
0: All right. We have come to the doodads of the week. If you want to check out the doodads of the week, uh, any of them from past weeks, you can always go to improve photography.com slash doodads to see them all. Um, this week I want to share loop batteries. Now you've all heard about Inaloop batteries. We've talked about them many times on the podcast. Uh this is the Sanyo InaLoops. They're uh even some of the flash manufacturers say in the back of the of the manual that this is the battery you need to use. Um the reason that I want to bring them up this week for my doodad is I've done a a very unscientific test, but I would like to, maybe, maybe this is up your alley, uh, Rusty. I'd like to get one of the writers for improved photography to do a test, uh, of the, the, just how, how long the batteries are going to last the best battery for speed lights, um, and, and see actual on a head-to-head test how they do. But that's, you know, we can buy brand new packages of batteries and see how they perform but the question is how do they do a year from now um and Mm -hmm. so i bought like seven different brands of of double a rechargeable batteries and i've just kind of been cycling them through my flashes over the last year and uh over the last month i would say I started to notice a significant failure rate with the Amazon Basics batteries. Uh, They are failing very rapidly. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, They were much less expensive when I bought them, but uh, they're going out pretty regularly. Um, Are those the the black ones, Jim? Yes, they are. The black and green ones from Amazon. Um, And they they did great so far, but they are failing really quickly. Uh, And the antelopes, I have not yet killed one yet i haven't had one die yet and so I I, when oh you did uh, yeah well, i'm yeah tell me anyway so i i put them in a in a smart charger you know and it'll tell you about the battery health and those amazon ones are dying i had several others that just completely died within a few months but those interloops are are still kicking
2: yeah. Mine, mine did the same thing that you're explaining with the Amazon ones. And then I got the Amazon ones and so far those are okay, but they're newer. So I, I guess <laughs> I expect for those to fail as well. So I would be really interested in that test. Um, at the studio here, I always said like, why don't you guys use rechargeables? Cause they buy the big Costco packs of batteries. And they said we did, but then they would get lost or you'd forget to charge them. And it costs, you know, it, they said that it's, there's just worth the money to just go get regular batteries. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I can understand that perspective i used to do that and then somebody shamed me into using rechargeables because it's better for the the planet uh oh maybe two years ago somebody shamed me into it and so i've been doing it but honestly i've been seeing how i mean they last a year it's good but i mean you're got to recharge them and it's a lot it is a lot of hassle like i don't know i'm almost to that point sandy where i i may just go back to regular batteries we'll see is, you gave it a good effort. <laughs> yeah, but the inner loops are still kicking. If they start dying out on me, I'm mad. But they've they've been doing really well so far.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good that'd be a cool test to do. I, yeah. I I use interloops also on my flashes. I don't think I cycle through them as much as Sandy does, but I think I've had mine for a couple of years and they're still going strong.
2: Really? See, because I didn't know that. I didn't think it was a usage thing. I thought it was a time thing.
1: No, they're still, they they still seem to last just as long now as they did when I first got them.
0: Yeah, Hmm. mine seem to be doing great. I mean, they're advertised at what, 800 charges? You can charge them and use them 800 times. I mean, that's and just what they're advertised at. You know? I was going to say, knows, I don't really? think
2: I used it. I mean, I'm not that cool. I'm cool, but I'm not. Cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's 500. 500 recharges, it's telling me. Uh, oh. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen them fail yet, so they're my, <laughs> they're what's keeping me on, on rechargeables, but uh, I'll watch it. We'll see how we do. Cool.
2: Cool. So I found a cool doodad that's kind of like the MagMods, but a little cheaper. It's a, it's Salines, S-E-L-E-N-S um, gel kit. And speaking of gels, and it comes with all of the the gels that you'd want in every color. And then it's got this little rubber band looking thing that goes over the flesh. And it's a lot cheaper than the MagMod if you needed something. And it looks a little more professional than gaffers tape and yeah,
0: well, <laughs> yeah, cool. I, I, that's what I use. Well, similar to that, I use one from Rogue, but it's
2: essentially the same thing. Cool. It kind of looks like one of those rubber um, uh, bracelets that have live you know, strong say, kind of bracelets. Yeah, yeah. they kind of look like that, and then you put it on, uh, you know, the end of your
1: flash to hold it on. Awesome, cool. So, my doodad dad, um, this is something that uh, I know Nick Page has raved about. He did a YouTube. Uh, review of these a little while back and seemed to really like them. And and I actually wrote an article on the improved photography website reviewing these as well, but it's the, the Valorette Markov pro photography gloves. And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Markov. but it's their, yeah. one of their newest models. Um, and these are the, they came out with, I think three new models recently. They have just the liners. They have these, the, the Markov pros. And then they also have a trigger mitt, which is more of a, a, mitten type glove, but it leaves your index finger and your, your thumb free to operate the camera. But, um, so I've been using these for a while now and I've really like really like them. It seems, seems like keeping my hands warm, especially this time of year. And for those of us who are in, uh, parts of the country or the world where it's cold right now, keeping my hands is warm is su- just such a challenge. Whenever I go out shooting,
2: right? Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't, um, I don't have any gloves because <laughs> I live in <laughs> Las Vegas. Um, but you know those gloves that you can use to on your smartphone and the tips, the mm-hmm. tips of them have the thing. What's the benefit of having something like this versus just a glove that you can keep on your finger?
0: Well, think- these. I'm oh, sorry, Jim. Oh uh, no, I was just gonna say the dexterity. I think for uh, pressing the little buttons and dials and stuff, you can get to your actual finger. My experience with these gloves is, and I don't, I don't have these specific ones. I had the old version. I have the uncool gloves from last year. <laughs> um, but they, they, they are really nice. They're well made. They're not super warm. Uh, it's really mm-hmm. just a light very light glove you're going to want something thick over them um, and it you know it has that crack where they kind of bend back and it lets cold in uh, so not super warm but uh, mm-hmm. you know if I'm if I if it's chilly out but not frozen yeah yeah I'll grab them okay yeah. it has some gimmicky things like a little uh, pocket to hold your SD card oh come on <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's awesome. I,
1: but, oh now I got to get some yeah, yeah I, uh, here they are
2: I'm sold now <laughs> Nice. So yeah. you you like
1: those a lot? Well, like Jim said, they're these are the website, the Valorette website uh, rates these down to fourteen degrees. Okay, I would say that. I would not go out shooting for very long in fourteen degree weather with these on. <laughs> maybe fourteen degrees Celsius. <laughs> yeah. If you had a heater with you. <laughs> maybe maybe in the maybe twenty, maybe in the mid twenties. It's gonna vary. It's gonna vary from person to person. But that's these fancy. do have the, the fingers that fold back and they have
2: oh, that's nice and uh, easy too. little
1: magnets in the fingertips that hold them out of your way so that they don't flop down and whenever you're trying to operate How your camera. Fancy. That's cool. But one of the other features I really like about them is the really tacky uh, grip on the palm and the fingers so that you can actually, if you need to change a lens or do something else with your camera, you're not as worried about it slipping out of your hand.
2: That's a good point. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well,
1: very cool.
0: Rusty and Sandy, thanks for being on the show today. I appreciate uh, all your input and we will see you in another seven days. Bye. See ya.